When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Luna the Podcast. My name is Carolina Salazar, also known as the Carolina Lifestyle on TikTok and Instagram. My goal with this podcast is to demystify modern spirituality, talk about all things holistic health and wellness, and to also empower you to show up as your best and highest self. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to seeing you in the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to Luna the Podcast. I hope you guys are having a great day. And as we dive into this episode, I invite you to take a deep breath and remind yourself that you're okay and everything is happening in the highest, best evolution possible for you. You're on track, you're on time, you're not behind, you're not lost. And with each and every day, you are getting closer and closer to what you need to know in this moment. And you're always growing, even if you don't see it right now. And guys, this episode right now, this guest episode was such a fangirl moment for me. Also, if you're new here and you're tuning in for the first time to the podcast, welcome. Guys, literally, this was such a fangirl moment for me because I got to interview... Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsick, the co-hosts of Almost 30. Almost 30 is a top podcast with 500 plus episodes, more than 30 million downloads, which is amazing. And it's also been called the best wellness podcast to listen to right now by COVID Tour and the best wellness podcast and best spirituality podcast by Art Heart Radio. Like what? That's amazing. The two hosts, Krista and Lindsay, they literally feel like virtual best friends and they are just such seasoned event speakers. They've hosted so many different events and Almost 30 is just one of my favorite podcasts. Whenever I tune into their episodes, I just feel like I'm sitting with them in a living room and having a really down-to-earth conversation. They bring in phenomenal guests and they just talk about topics that I love and I feel very connected to so if you're someone who enjoys Luna the podcast and you're an active listener you absolutely love their podcast if you haven't listened to it ever before they have amazing amazing episodes and it's just a really heart-centered real and raw podcast with a lot of impactful interviews and they're just two queens that also love spirituality health and wellness entrepreneurship and self-development and mental health just like me and so it was just really cool meeting them. It just felt like I was meeting two of my older sisters that I have just been obsessed with for so long. And so this was a really fun episode. We chatted a little bit about why they created Almost 30 and the journey to doing that. And the reason why they created the podcast was tied to them being in their later 20s and in their Saturn returns, which we'll talk about. And so in this episode, we dive into what they learned in their Saturn return. We talk about how to navigate relationships and how to feel empowered in yourself and develop further self-love. 
we chatted a bit about people pleasing we chatted as well about their own spiritual journeys and some of the most important lessons that they learned in their spiritual journey what they would tell to their younger selves and we also chatted even a little bit about what star seeds are and how to tell if you are a star seed yourself overall it was just such a beautiful conversation it was such a fun episode for me to record i absolutely loved it and so i have literally no doubt that you will enjoy it as well so with that said let's dive right in i hope you love it and i will see you on the other side I'm so excited for today's episode. I am sitting with Krista and Lindsay from Almost 30. I'm so honored and welcome. Thanks for having us. We are so excited. Krista and I agree. This is one of our favorite things to do is really sit down with other podcasters and especially those that, you know, are interested in what we're kind of exploring. It's it's always so fun. So thank you for having us. Yes. Thank you for being here. The first question I always ask everyone is what's your sun, moon and rising? Mm. My son is Pisces, so I'm a water baby. And then my moon is Sagittarius and my rising is Virgo. So I got a nice little balance there, but I feel like when I found out my rising and my moon, I was like, okay, this makes sense because I'm very Pisces when you know me very well, but I don't really seem very Pisces. So you got to get the moon and rising to really understand yourself. Yes. So true. So true. Um, I am a Virgo sun. Libra rising and I'm a Gemini moon. So lots of air in there, some earth, but yes, I I agree. When I found out that my moon was Gemini, I was like, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, perfect. Now I get it. (laughs) I love that. I'm a Taurus and then Aries rising and I have a cancer moon. So I feel like we all have kind of like a mix of all the elements, which is really cool. And I love that your charts have like a lot of mirroring as well, Mm -hmm. because like you have the Sagittarius and then you also have the Gemini and then you have the Virgo, but then you also have the, what's the opposite of Virgo? I'm blanking Pisces. Mm -hmm. So you guys balance each other out, which is really beautiful. And for anyone listening that like doesn't know what almost 30 is, which I would be very surprised if they don't, Could you guys just share a bit about how we got started and just what your mission is with Almost 30? Yeah, so we started Almost 30, Lindsay and I, and Lindsay's my best friend. We were in our Saturn return, so we were in our 20s, and we just felt super lost. We felt like we wanted to make a life that we loved. We wanted to live our best life. We wanted to feel like we had a purpose. We wanted to explore so much of what we felt like we hadn't yet. And we came together one day and we were like, you know what? We'd love to bring these deep conversations about personal growth and spirituality and wellness to a podcast. So we started six years ago on our closet floors. We just recorded tons and tons of content and eventually after a few months released it and then it has grown from there and now we do courses and programs and a membership and really we're just here to support people in their evolution of being you know their best most authentic self I love that and I love your mission as well and I think it's really cool you guys started it during a Saturn return because it's probably as the podcast has evolved like you have both changed a ton and that's kind of been reflected in what you've done. I'm 23. So I'm still a little far away from my Saturn return, but I'm always like wondering what mine will be because I have Saturn conjunct my son. Wow. So I feel like there will be a lot of like identity 
Yes. But now you're, you're prepared for it. Like, I wish I would have even known what was going on. And since we've started the show, we've really learned about your twenties and the Saturn return and your prefrontal cortex comes online. There's just a really big transition that's happening. And I think when you don't have any education about what's going on, it's really scary. It's a lot of unknown and you don't feel prepared, but you guys are so like knowledgeable, prepared, you know, what's going to happen. And I feel like with the Saturn return, if you're already living a life of alignment, it actually can be very gentle, very empowering, very beautiful. But for Lindsay and I, we, you know, weren't living our most aligned life. I can say that for myself, for sure. I was not living a life that was aligned. I was working in the corporate world. I was in a relationship that I didn't want to be in. I was living in a city I didn't want to be in. I was drinking and going out and doing all these things that really aren't part of my authentic code. And so by having this huge upheaval of the Saturn return, I was really, really able to find a life that fits me better and be more of myself, but it was scary. So for anyone that's going through it or about to go through it, it can be really challenging, but if you're living a life that's aligned, it can be really beautiful too. So I bet yours is going to be like just amplification. I hope so. I hope so. But yeah, I really feel like the universe when we're not living in alignment, it just really like throws unexpected like hardships at us and kind of forces us to like just start over or just build fresh from like all the burnt ground so yeah that's really beautiful and I really hope to like continue building alignment up to my Saturn return so that it's not as scary as it could be um but if you guys could summarize like some of the biggest learnings that you had through that period of time in your journey like what would be some of the like top things that you took out of it I think for me, um, at the very top of my pattern return, I broke up with the person that I thought I was going to be with for the rest of my life, um, college sweetheart, the whole nine. And I thought that really he was the piece to complete me as I think a lot of us out there who are single and searching for the one kind of subconsciously feel, but Unknowingly, uh, that thrust must do a seven year period of being single. So during that time, I realized that and through many mistakes and a lot of contrast that in order to be in relationship with another person in the sense that I was seeking, I really had to get in right relationship with myself and on like the deepest level, like really understand myself on a soul level and always know how to come back to that place because in seeking and searching for the things we desire, especially in my twenties, I was just walking away from who I really am. So it was confusing. It was challenging. It was all the things. So when I finally found peace within myself, that was when my life started to align. That is when I got the opportunity to teach out in LA uh, for Soul Cycle. That is when I met Krista. You know, it all was this chain of events that I think at the time like surprised me. I was like, wait, is this really happening to me? And then now looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, that is what alignment is. You know, it should feel good. It should feel like flow. There shouldn't be so much friction and questioning and doubt. So um, I think knowing that I'm the one I'm seeking, knowing that my relationship with my soul is number one over any other relationship and enhances every other relationship is like one of the biggest learnings of my Saturn return. 
That's so beautiful. I love that so much. And um, before we dive in, Krista, I want to hear yours as well. But I just wanted to chime in that um, I know you guys interviewed Shailena Ayana, I think is how you pronounce her name, the founder of Rising Woman. And when I went through a breakup in the beginning of quarantine with like my then college boyfriend, I did her Becoming the One course. And that was one of the huge like realizations that I had as well, that it's kind of common in society to think that, oh, I'm just searching for the one to complete me to my missing puzzle piece and whatever. But when you're able to really see that as yourself, you're then able to kind of arrive at that like more empowered relationship with a significant other. So I'm really, really glad that that's kind of what it taught you. Yeah, completely agree. And she's phenomenal and her new book is amazing. And yeah, I really think we're going in that direction, at least collectively. Um, Definitely. You know, where, where the relationship is an enhancement, but we're really prioritizing that relationship with self. For sure. What about you, Krista? Just before I go into mine, I was thinking about what you both were saying. And I even had a friend the other day go, she's like, you know, what I'm looking for is the other half of my soul. And I think that's so normal in our culture to say things like that, but it's like our soul is complete. It's never a half of anything. And so I think there's so much verbiage about a soulmate or a soul in that way. So it's like when we're becoming the one, like we always are the one, our soul is always complete. We're really just searching for like the complement, the addition, it's our soul, it's their soul. And then it's like the soul energy of their relationship. So there's so much wording that we had to like sort of reprogram around that. But I think that's really beautiful. Um, for me, I think what I learned in my, you know, twenties and my Saturn return time was really just like, to be honest with myself. I think for so long, I had seen so many people in my life just kind of be lie to themselves or not actually get serious or truthful with themselves. And that can be really challenging. And that really shows up as numbing, that shows up as avoidance, that shows up for me as anxiety or depression. Um, and that can be something where we're living a life that is unaligned and we're kind of just continuing to go every single day and not be really honest with ourselves about how we feel at that job or how we feel in that relationship or how we feel with those friends or how we feel when we're doing all these things. So when I started to get really quiet and I started to get really, really truthful with myself about how I was in a job that I didn't like or how I was dating someone I didn't really love or how I was in friendships that weren't really, you know, my highest expression or how I was drinking all the time. And I actually didn't like it. Then I was able to really, really figure out the steps I wanted to take to get clear about building a life that I love. So I think if people can have the confidence and have really the, the, you know, the bravery to be really honest with yourself and get quiet. And like, although it's scary sometimes because you're like, oh my God, I just heard that I have to leave my job. That's really, really scary. It's much better to be in a space where you know the truth rather than you're just kind of avoiding for the rest of your life. So I think when anyone is listening can be really quiet and get truthful. I think that's like the best thing ever. Yeah, that's so true. I yesterday I was listening to a podcast and the word candor came mm -hmm. up. And I feel like that's really what it comes down to is just like speaking your truth. And for the beginning of my spiritual awakening, the word self-responsibility was one that like in self-accountability were two that really came up for me, which is really about just like being really honest and just like really vulnerable with yourself. Because a lot of the times we kind of fall into these self-sabotaging behaviors or ways to cope and numb that like aren't 
what our higher self would embody. And then it's also realizing like, how am I getting in my own way? How am I avoiding my own reality? And that can be really hard too. So for anyone listening, what do you think would be helpful tips for anyone who's just kind of like, okay, but what if I'm like too scared Mm -hmm. to my own reality or to like take that action that could change where I'm at? Yeah, I've, I've been there, you know, I've been there and it's still some things, you know, are always scary for us to really, you know, embrace. So it's not like people are the only one. And I just want to encourage people to know that we all have scary decisions we have to make. We all have to do them throughout our lives. But what happens oftentimes is like you were talking about the beginning of the podcast, like the universe will throw us like tiny pebbles and things will feel a little off or, you know, we'll kind of notice ourselves just dimming our light or not feeling happy or feeling anxious. And then eventually things can get really challenging where the universe knows that you're ready and you really haven't made the decision and the universe will make a decision for you. And that was really my life where I was at a job that I didn't really love. And I ended up getting in a situation where I had to leave the company and I really didn't want it to leave that way, but I knew that I couldn't make the decision myself. So I think first it's recognizing that you're always on path and on purpose and everything will happen at the perfect time. But then to Dr. Tema Bryant, who came on the podcast, she was talking about there's one thing to say, I don't know. And to be like, I don't know what I should do. And then there's another thing to say, I know, but I'm scared. And I think going from the, I don't know to, I know, but I'm scared is so incredibly powerful and so incredibly momentum building because then you can use prayer. You can use intention setting. You can use, you know, goal setting or whatever it is to really get clear about the path of How can you go from, I know, but I'm scared to, I know I'm scared and I'm going to take the first step. And that first step is really, really that tiny step that can move you in the direction of whatever it is. So for me, that could have been with my job. Um, I'm going to, you know, do my resume this weekend. And that's pretty much it. I'm going to um, start saving a hundred dollars a month. And that's going to help me if I end up quitting, just taking really small steps to prepare yourself. It doesn't need to be crazy. It doesn't need to be dramatic, but really just supporting yourself. If you were to make the decisions for you that really scare you so that the small steps really, really provide you the confidence when you really make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I like that differentiation between I don't know. And then like, I know, and I'm scared because I think in terms of like my own journey too, and like my navigating my own career for a really long time, I was a type of person, like I kind of grew up like the typical perfectionist, like straight A student, like, let me be an overachiever and everyone will love me. Like that kind of like subconscious belief. And that was really my experience up until like the pandemic, which was at the end of my college experience. And as I started having my spiritual awakening and like connecting deeper to like a new way of living, a different way of living life, a different way of thinking about life, I started questioning a lot of what I had traced until that point and like what types of things I had done that were based on these beliefs that I thought was the way everyone was supposed to do things and so ever since then it's kind of just been this like Pandora's box that I opened and now I've just been trying to navigate like what is the path of alignment for me especially in career I think that's a topic that's been coming up a lot for me and like really trying to figure out what would be the most aligned career path for me And so I would love to also dive in a little bit deeper into career as a conversation and like finding that path. Like maybe how do you get from I don't know to I know? I think like 
the most interesting things come from that. I don't know. You know, I guess like how boring would life be if we just like knew everything and we're just like, okay, I know. I know the next step. I know I know the path laid out in front of me and that's what it's going to be. So I think it takes practice to kind of get excited about the unknown. Um, I just personally have always, I've been on a very like unconventional quote unquote path, I guess, career wise. And I don't know if it made sense to a lot of people, but I was more so concerned with how did it feel to me in the moment, you know? And I think today people are really concerned about, but I want this to make me happy and make me money and give me stability forever. And we become so obsessed with making this thing that's in front of us the one thing forever. And I'm just really interested in how the thing in front of me can teach me, can expand me, can excite me, open me up to parts of myself that I haven't met yet. It doesn't really matter if it lasts two weeks, two months, or two years. I'm just interested in like, what is the purpose of this thing? Granted, I'm human and I have moments where I'm like, fuck this thing. <laughs> but if I really pull out and if I get quiet consistently, and I wanted to mention that quiet thing around change because it's really important that we make changes from that steady mind, that like place of just as much inner peace as you can, rather than from that chaos and the fear. And if I can come back to that place of peace and steadiness, I know, I'm like, I'm here for a reason. You know, I'm in this job, I have this role, I do this thing for a reason, and I don't know how long it's gonna last, I don't know who I'm gonna meet, but I'm ready, I'm open, and I'm willing to show up for it. Um, and again, this is like a practice. We're not gonna be perfect along the way, but I think how often are you pulling up and out, finding a little quiet, and reminding yourself of what is really true. That's beautiful. And I think finding that quiet can also be really hard. Like we live in such a fast-paced world and at the least bit of discomfort, it's so easy to reach for your phone and scroll and distract yourself. And, you know, when we think about numbing, like your phone can also be a way to numb and to like forget about like your thoughts or distract yourself. And I think finding that time to like really sit and be still and disconnect a bit from all the chatter and all the things in the external environment can be really challenging, but it's also really, really powerful. So that's great advice. I definitely feel like I need to reconnect to meditating even more than I already do. Beautiful. What about you, Krista? I think what I think about right now is, so when I was coming up in my career, there wasn't any examples of you know, female podcasters that had online businesses in the way that we did. So we, you know, we've been doing this for a while. So we were really part of like blazing that trail and making it happen. But what's hard is that right now there's so much visibility in people that are influencers, people that are content creators, people that are sort of doing what we're doing because of the online world. And so I think for a lot of people, it gives them this sense of like, that is the goal career, or that is the goal path to do things that are highly visible online from a social media perspective, and then get the feedback from the social media loop that this is the best thing ever. And it's a beautiful way of being. I'm really grateful. It's been incredible for our lives but I don't think it's for everyone. And I think for a lot of the people that we coach or that we work with, 
it's oftentimes we'll see people try that career first because it seems like it's such a fit for everyone and then really have to figure out what actually works for them. So if anyone that's listening can get really, really clear, whether it's with people that they love, like, what am I good at? What am I uniquely qualified to do? Is it, you know, I'm an amazing listener or I'm an amazing conversationalist or I'm an amazing creative or I'm amazing at details. Like what exactly are you good at getting very clear and understanding that? And then sort of going from there, adding on, what do I love? Like, what are things that I truly love to do? Where do I feel like I lose track of time? Where do I find myself going when I'm not working? Where do I find myself going, even if no one's watching, like, what are those things? And then sort of going from there to really think about the career path that makes the most sense and know that it's not going to be something where it's like, okay, I took these two things and then I found this thing. And then this was what I did forever. And then this is like how it happens. Like people evolve and grow and change so much. It's really focusing on the next best step. So for me in my career, I was in the corporate world for eight years. I always had a next best step. I never had my dream job. I was never doing the thing that I loved and I never felt fully expressed in the corporate world environment, but each job brought me closer to what I do today. And each job taught me a lesson along the way that I really needed to know. So I always advise for people to just move closer and closer and closer to their dream life and their dream career. Never think that it's going to happen overnight. Never think it's going to be one decision that leads you to that place. It really Really takes a lot of time and it really can be something that you can cultivate over your life to being something of more you love. So I think that would be what I'd suggest for people and just be patient, you know, with the process because life is long, you know, it may seem super short, but it also is very long at times. And there's a lot, there's a lot we can do in this lifetime. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. I talk about that a lot with my therapist where she always reminds me like, what you're doing right now is teaching you something Mm -hmm. and it's taking you closer to the alignment, like changing jobs or picking the next thing, like each time taking you closer and closer to that alignment. Even if in the moment there might be questions running through your mind, like, is this the right thing? Like doubting it. I think as an Aries rising as well, for me, sometimes it's really hard because of that immediacy and like wanting things to be like the new beginning or just being really exciting now, like, can I just have the result now? Um, And so embodying that patience and also the like trust the process mentality Mm -hmm. of arriving Mm -hmm. at that dream job and realizing like life is really long and there's time Mm -hmm. to grow and evolve with time too. And kind of touching on that as well, you know, in for people in their twenties specifically, if you could go back and like talk to your like, self right out of college, like that 22, 23, 24 year old version of you, what would you want to tell them? I think for me, it's, it's important that she knows that she can trust herself. I felt like I was constantly like seeking the answer from someone else. I was constantly seeking that like outside validation, um, from others. I really wanted to be liked is not the right word. It's more so like be seen. I wanted people to be proud of me. You know, there's, there was a lot, a lot there and never in my early twenties did I say to myself, like, I'm really proud of you. Like, or I see you, you know, I never had that awareness. And so, yeah, I would just tell her to trust where she's going, trust where she is trust that you know her 
her instincts, her intuition is guiding every step of the way and there doesn't need to be this constant reaching and needing of that outside validation or guidance. You know, the guidance system lives within within me and within you. Amazing. Yeah, I think that's important. And I think I've definitely struggled with that before. Like I've done a good amount of inner child work of like feeling proud of myself. And especially when I first started creating content two years ago, I definitely felt like my parents didn't understand it or didn't feel proud of me or like didn't under like just know like my parents don't use Instagram like they don't even know how it works so it was really hard but with time I kind of made peace with it and there was an element of pulling back because I didn't feel supported and working through all those like resentful emotions that could come up but at this point now that it's been two years they, like they get it a little bit more and they're more supportive little by little but I think learning to feel proud of myself and learning to just like really see yourself and not judge yourself is really hard. But over time, my hope is that it, it gets easier and easier, you know? Yeah. And that's like um, internal family systems a little bit. So internal family systems talks about the different parts of you. So you have your capital S self, which is the true you. And then you have these parts of you. So for you, you have the perfectionist that is like, Hey parents, look at me. I'm doing this thing. I love like, why aren't you seeing what I'm doing? I love to do it. And then there's that little girl parts of you. That's like, Oh my God, like I want to create, I want to do, I want to do all these things. Like, how can you love all those parts of you in the process. Um, but for me, what I would say to my you know, younger self is that I think I was so confused of when I was different and why I was different. And I think I saw my differences as things that were like negative. I think that they, I always felt like they were deterrents from me. And I always wanted to be more like people and more like everyone else. And I never saw how beautiful it was that I was interested in different things that I was always just doing my own blazing my own trail. I was always just talking about different subjects. I was always hanging out with different people. I was always dressing differently. I was always just sort of on my own path. And I really didn't recognize it until I got older and was like, whoa, the things that I was doing and saying and how I was being was completely different than the community around me. And at times I felt a lot of shame around that. I felt really kind of weird, although I was like, you know, from the outside, a normal kid. So I would think for people to really just embrace those differences in them. And I think we can see now in pop culture and in the world, like the most successful people are sometimes the most out there, the most different, the most wild, the most inventive. And so how can we see those parts of us, not as deterrents from our success, but help for our success and really like the guide for our success. Those parts of us that make us different and weird are also the parts that make us the most unique. So really figuring those out and fostering those aspects of ourself. I wish I would have done a little earlier. Yeah, for sure. In my coaching program that I did um, at IIN, it's called, um, they always talk about like fitting out. So instead of fitting in, it's like, how can you fit out? Like, how can you embody being different? How can you see that as something really good? And I think it can be also a good yes. line to, to navigate. Yes. Yeah. I love that. You have to have confidence to do, to fit out. You have to have clarity to fit out. You know, it can be scary. And so I think for a lot of people, it's a little scary because you choose the, you know, 
acceptance over your own authenticity. I think that's a very normal thing, but how can you continue to really cultivate your own authenticity and really choose your own authenticity first? And I still struggle with that, but that's always like my goal is to choose my authenticity over any approval over anything else. Yeah, for sure. And it's like a constant process, I feel, mm-hmm. to learn to do that. And and I have really enjoyed uh, when you've been talking about the internal family systems on the podcast, and especially in relation to like body image and like body acceptance, because that's a lot of work that I've done on myself too. Uh, like I had an eating disorder five years ago and navigating that has been a part of like my experience, which is very intrinsically tied as well to like accepting yourself mm-hmm. and accepting how you're different and accepting that like it's okay to be you, even if that doesn't fit into like ideals or what the media portrays as beautiful and like yeah. all these different things. So yeah, it's huge. And she's talking about, so I did a podcast um, recently on body acceptance and just like my body journey with, you know, disordered eating and whatever I had going on. I don't even really know. I've never labeled my body relationship, but um, it was always my biggest struggle. And I did a podcast on internal family systems and my body and really how I use the idea of the parts of me in that. So basically labeling the part of me, that's like the control freak. That's like, I'm going to eat this at this time. I'm going to stop eating. Then I'm going to only have this many calories. I'm going to, you know, intermittent fast until this time I'm going to work out, blah, blah, blah. That's a beautiful part of me that really, really seeks to keep my safety by being in control, but it's not the real me. And then there's the other part of me that might, you know, be someone that's like, who cares? Let's just binge. Let's just do whatever. No one cares anyway. And then there's the real true self and the real true self loves me at any size, loves me at any weight, loves me at any experience. So how can I really love all three of those parts of me, but get more connected to the actual me that loves me as I am? Exactly. Like really identifying that higher self and like, what does that higher self embody? Like, what is a higher self like? What is her way of speaking to yourself, like to the capital S self? Like, how is that self speaking to your human self? What's that inner dialogue like? And I think it's really interesting also learning to spot that. Like another way I've heard it also phrased is like your disordered eating self or like your true healed self, you know, and just identifying that inner critic is really valuable too. Because we're not our voice. We're not the inner voice, this inner thoughts. Like we're just the observer and the observer to me is that higher self. Yes. The true like soul part of you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we were, we're given labels like from the get. It's Mm kind of wild to think of like all the labels we're given along the way and like the identities that are, whether it's like impressed upon us, projected onto us or the ones that we kind of form. And when you realize that that's not really you. It's kind of a wild realization, you know? And yeah. It, but then it's hard to live in the world sometimes because you're like, then what? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I read um, the book New Earth by Eckhart Tolle a few, like a year and a half ago. And he talks all about like the ego, right? Like mm-hmm. the ego is the central theme of that book. And I remember when I read it and I started learning about like all the labels that we use and all the ways that we kind of, try to put ourselves in boxes and then trying to fully let go of that. It's like, then how do you live life? Like at the same time, like it's, it's a fine balance of understanding, like how can we not let labels define us or cause us to like judge ourselves, but also how can we be okay with like also developing our own identity in the world? 
Eckhart is truly yeah. the GOAT. Yeah, no, he really is, which is a great transition because his book, The Power of Now, was what kickstarted my spiritual awakening. In the beginning of the pandemic, one of my friends told me about it. I was like, I think you'll really, I think you need this book. Like, I think you'll really like it. And I wasn't reading anything at the time. So I, I read it. And then that like was the, the first domino in like the chain effect that it caused for a spiritual awakening for me. And so I would love to hear from both of you, what were your first kind of encounters with spirituality? Mm-hmm. Like how old were you? And like, can you pinpoint a moment that you remember was kind of like this light bulb? Mm-hmm. I think for me, mine was um, when I was in my early 20s too, and I was living in Chicago and my friend at the time gave me the secret. (laughs) The secret was my like gateway drug because there wasn't really the internet as much, you know, as it is today. And there wasn't this really focus on wellness and spirituality in the way that it was now. And so it was really that sort of like entry level type book that really opened up my eyes to manifestation, to the law of attraction, to this like method. And then it's really, really snowballed from there. Um, but yeah, the secret baby, I mean, it's a tried and true. Yes. The secret for me was like my first contact too. like, I found mm-hmm. out about the secret in my freshman year of college. My mom told me to watch the movie mm-hmm. and I watched it and it kind of opened my eyes to like, oh, like, this is really interesting, but I didn't fully like dive into like what actually being a spiritual person could mean for me later on. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, you know, with the secret, it's really your first foray into like playing with the matrix. It's not necessarily about, it can be about spirituality, but it's really like more matrix play, but there is like a part of it that is very much alignment focused because, you know, you can only do so much before the alignment steps in. Um, but meditation probably when, you know, I was going through a really rough time and I was able to meditate and really connect with myself and unblend myself from my emotions. So I could be the capital S self was like the first thing that I did, but yeah, the secret, I guess was like probably the first book, but I can't even remember after that. Yeah. And I think for me, um, the, the period that I was single, it wasn't only just like, oh, wow, you're single, but it's more so like, oh, wow, I get to actually be with myself for the first time, you know? Mm. And it was, I just remember like in later years after this period of time, Krista and I did ayahuasca in Costa Rica and I was shown this moment where I was like alone in my bedroom, like on a Friday night, I was in bed, I was reading a book, I had my candles and just like this whole scene. And that was like me majority of Friday nights, like when I really got hip to wow, this season is actually amazing. And I just like started bawling of like pure joy, happiness and peace. I was like, oh, like that is, that is kind of what I've been looking for, you know, and I felt the presence of, you know, my, my spiritual team, you know, my angels, my guides, my ancestors, like, I just felt this presence of like, yes, like one, we've been with you all along, but like, you've been with you all along. And like, and it's in this way that you can really feel this. So that season really just like opened my eyes and heart to, so much of what was really supporting me all along because i think for a while i was thinking i had to like trudge through life get through it survive 
and I realized like, oh my gosh, there's so much here for me to enjoy and play with and grow from. And yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty remarkable. Wow. Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting how there are almost like these different levels of awakening that we have and like different awakenings that we'll have. Like you were saying, Krista, like that phrasing of the secret as opening the doors to like escaping the matrix or really just manifestation overall. But then also there's this whole other level of spirituality, which is like the inner voice, meditation, quieting the thoughts and just connecting to the soul part of you. But then there's this whole other layer too, which is kind of a point where I'm at a little bit more now, which is similar to what you were saying, Lindsay, like connecting more to my guides, to the universe, like receiving signs or asking for signs or connecting with like my Oracle cards or just like doing, like, I remember the first time that I did a psychic reading was around a year ago. And that was the first time she like fully connected with my angels and my guides and like their message came through. And I also just started crying because it's really beautiful to realize that you, you have your back, but then you're also not alone Mm -hmm. and your guides and your angels, like they're there as well, always. Yeah, that's huge. I think Lindsay and I both grew up Catholic and, you know, in the Catholic church, it's, beautiful for some people, but I felt like it really brought me further away from feeling like I had angelic support, feeling like I had guides. It was like, there's a way to God and it's through 50 different people and it's in a hierarchy and this is how you get there. And there's no other really support. So when I realized that there's, you know, mother Mary, there's these angels that are really here for me. It was like the best feeling in the world. I was like, Oh my God, I can access them. Like me, I can, I Krista can talk to them. It's not like I have to go through a priest or someone else. So when people realize that it can be such a really beautiful thing to know you're like divinely supported and connected and having your guides, whether it's your guides or whether you connect with starseed beings or, you know, your ancestors, see what feels good for you and just really like cultivate that relationship through quiet, through meditation, through automatic writing, um, through, you know, signs and synchronicities, but it's so fun. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that so much. And I think the writing as well is a super powerful way of connecting to like source and just kind of channeling as you write. And for me showing up to write is sometimes really hard. Like I I experience a lot of blocks and like resistance to show up and Mm. write, but I know when I do, I just feel so good. And it's just like a way to channel that's really beautiful. So, and I also love that you mentioned star seeds because I know you guys talk about it in the podcast. And for anyone listening that doesn't know what star seeds is, could you just explain a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, my belief is that we live in a, a universe that has different types of beings and entities that exist alongside humans. I don't think that we're the only ones in our universe or the other universes or the other galaxies or the other planets. I think we're just like one little microcosm of this experience. So that means there are aliens from my perspective. And that means that we are people that maybe have came from different star systems and different planets and different parts of the galaxy. And I think that we can be people that came from different places to support this planet in its evolution and support its planet in raising its vibration. So if you are starseed, you may be someone that feels like you were different most of your life. You may have felt like you've been alone. It's kind of a lonely experience to be a totally different energy and entity on this earth. You may feel like you connect with certain specific things deeply. So it's this unique experience that people have where they feel like they're not from this planet. And for people, you know, that feel that way, you're not alone and you might be a star seed. 
Yes. And I know you guys have a quiz on yes. your website. So I'll definitely link that in the show Perfect. notes for anyone who wants to take it. But when I, I my most recent psychic reading, um, she told me that I am Syrian. Oh, so, I could see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. In our, so. in the starseed quiz, I think there's, we have just four star systems. So we have Syrian, um, Pleiadian, um, Arcturian and then Andromedan in there, but there's a bunch of different star systems, but those are kind of like the core ones and they have very unique defining characteristics about them um, that really can help people understand more about their soul imprint and their soul. And they can connect with, you know, that energy or entity, you know, Lindsay is very Palladian. She's just this very gentle warmth and kindness. There's like a very pure energy of a Palladian. And then I'm more Arcturian, which is more like jovial, a little bit more like funky and out there. Lindsay has that side of her too, but there's this like core energy essence that people can have of their starseed qualities that make them very much who they are. Yes. I love that. Hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you are, and if you've been loving the podcast, I would be so grateful if you took a minute of your day to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. And I am coming through with a little special gift of gratitude for those of you who do that. So if you head to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, I will leave the link for that on the show notes if you're listening on Spotify or any other platform so you can head over to Apple Podcasts. And if you leave a review and you take a screenshot of the review before you hit send, and email that screenshot to contact at thecarolinalifestyle.com. I will send you a free connect with your divine feminine meditation that I created. I'm so excited about this meditation. It's a combination of breath work, visualization, and affirmations to help you align with the highest and best version of yourself. So again, if you write a written review on Apple Podcasts, snap a screenshot of it before you hit send and email it over to contact at thecarolinalifestyle.com, I will send over the meditation. So that is all, and let's go on with the episode. Kind of blending the topic of spirituality and relationships, something that I was talking to one of my friends who also loves your podcast and we're brainstorming like different things um, that we could talk about. And one of the things that both of us were very interested in hearing from you about is when you're in relationship, like sometimes you'll end up being with someone who's not as spiritual or maybe not Mm -hmm. interested in spirituality, like more of that, like 3D type person. And both in like my parents' relationship, like my mom and my dad, like that's the relationship. Like my mom's more spiritual and then my dad's more like scientific minded, like, okay, atheist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and both me and my friend, like we have significant others who are that way too. Like just not as spiritual, like don't like reading self-improvement books, that kind of thing. So for anyone listening as well, who might have this experience or maybe it's even with friends, what advice would you give on navigating that and kind of, finding a balance i'll let krista go first because she did a whole episode on this that was so good yes and i loved that episode so i definitely already heard that but i would go in the on the go what you would say yeah of course yeah so um 
I think this is such an important question. And I think so many women experience this question and feel this question. And there's such a beautiful like oceanic experience of our emotions and our curiosity and our desire for more that I very much feel as a woman. And I think what there's kind of two different things. There can be a situation where you are outgrowing this person, you are outgrowing this relationship. And I think as I've gotten older, I've realized that some people actually don't want to grow beyond a point and you have to really allow them to be. And that doesn't mean they need to be in your life. It doesn't mean you need to be with them. It doesn't mean they need to be your best friend and you can sort of let them be who they are, but they don't need to be in your orbit or experience. So that can be very heartbreaking to let go of people that aren't growing with you. But then there's also the experience of uh, the spiritual ego where you are having this experience where you're like, I am reading these books and I am reading my green juice and I'm meditating. I'm doing all these things. And you should be doing that too, because I am such a good person and I am so good. And I am all these things. And that really is the ego's way of just sort of manipulating the experience of your being spiritual to keep you separate from other people. So right now it's like with a partner could be like, I had that experience too, with my husband, where I was like, I'm meditating. You need to meditate. We need to go to do these things. We need to blah, 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 blah. And the actual true path of spirituality is honoring the unique experience of the people that we love and really allowing them to be more of who they are and not really feeling like I'm better than because I'm doing these things, but really seeing each person as perfect in their own right and loving them on their path. And again, this is like checks and balances. You want to feel like you're expanded in your relationship, that you're both growing, that you're both on the same path of the deep values that you have in your relationship. But we have to be mindful when we're like doing that thing that I think a lot of women do where we're like, let's go guys, let's do this together. Let's do this. Let's make sure we're doing this. And we're kind of trying to like manipulate and control everything and really just like keeping ourselves distracted from our own path of alignment and really just kind of judging others for theirs. So um, I have a lot more in that spiritual ego episode or the lonely on your spiritual path one, but it's something that I've been through. Lindsay's been through. So many of us have been through, but it's how can we focus ourselves on our path, our greatest alignment and expression, and really trust that like our vibrational frequency will bring in the correct people at the right time and keep the correct people in our vibrational field if they're still meant for us. Completely. And anytime that I've gone into a relationship, whether friendship or romantic, and sought to change someone for any reason, it has not worked out at all. I'm more unhappy. They're definitely not happy. And Chris is right on that distraction piece. It's a total distraction from taking responsibility for yourself in a relationship. And I think what those conversations or modeling could look like is, you know, you do the things that really align with your path. If meditating every morning is what brings you clarity, joy, and peace, do that every morning, no matter what, no matter if your partner like looks over and is like, oh, there she's meditating again, because I promise you, if they see what meditating is doing for you, there will be a heart opening, a curiosity, towards the practices that you have i've seen it and it happens more naturally than if you were to force the other person and then in conversation it's really speaking from that personal experience and i of like you know i'm having this experience where i'm feeling as though i'm wanting to have all of these conversations about maybe the more esoteric or whatever and i just feel like you know 
you might not want to be having these conversations or you don't understand. And then you can allow this person to tell you what's really going on. Maybe they're like, you know, I'm a little intimidated because I actually, I don't really understand some of the stuff that you're reading or talking about, but I'm, I'm interested. I'm just like a little intimidated. And so if you come to the conversation, taking full responsibility for your experience, it, rather than blaming the other person or kind of pointing in their direction, you're more likely to have an actual productive conversation where you can learn something about the other person and their experience of you as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think both of your responses is kind of like anchored in the idea of unconditional love because breaking that down, right? Like unconditional love is just loving without conditions. It's just not saying like, oh, I'm going to withdraw love. Like if you don't change or like here I am trying to change you in this relationship. And I think for me, in the beginning of my awakening, it was during the pandemic and I, I was single at the time. And I remember I was like trying to tell my parents, my brother, I was like, guys, but like this and that, or like, you don't understand. And I was trying to like convince them about certain things and they have their own beliefs and they have their own ways of thinking and their own experience and their own point they're at in their journeys. And I think accepting everyone's path has been really powerful. And also in just understanding like everyone will have an awakening at a different point if they're meant to. And leading by example is always the best path. It's also the hardest path, but I think it's the one that ultimately kind of leads to the best relationship with others. I completely agree. I think that was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love that so much. And I think that also what you were saying, Lindsay, as well is powerful where it's like if someone isn't reciprocating wanting to talk about those things, it might just be because they don't know or they feel confused or maybe it's just not interesting to them. And so maybe just turning the lens to asking them, like, how are you doing? Like what's actually going on right now in your experience can be like a more powerful way to love and to show up for the people you care about. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I can't believe you're 23. What is happening now? <laughs> I know. Kind of annoying. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you're like, how did you, you went through, you discovered all of that and you're 23. I'm like, I'm like, I literally just yo. discovered. <laughs> yeah. How did just, oh my God. Just figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how the rest of my twenties unfold. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last thing I really would love to talk about before we dive into some rapid fire questions is people pleasing. I think recently I've realized that I tend to be a people pleaser. And while there's a side of me that is definitely a little bit more selfish and like, I don't think the word selfish is bad. I think we need more selfish women. I learned that from Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. Like we need more women that care for themselves. But I think a lot of the times in commitments that I make to activities or really or like things that I can do at work or just my schedule. Like I overall have a hard time saying no sometimes and I just overcrowd my time and commit too much to things. And then I kind of have to trace back and be like, wait, actually, like I can't show up for this right now or I'm overwhelmed. What have been your experiences with people pleasing? What advice you would give to just navigating it? Yeah, um, I was most certainly a people pleaser. I think I still have those tendencies at times, but I'm much more like compassionate for that part of me that wants to like, wants people to feel good, comfortable, confident, loved, seen all the things. 
I think when it gets tricky is when I'm abandoning myself in the process. So I've just gotten much more attuned to when that's happening and why that's happening. Oftentimes it's connected to an existing codependent pattern or relationship. Um, oftentimes it's like rooted in our childhood. You know, I think an example for me would be I'm the oldest child and so I always sought to create harmony in the home you know I'm one of four inevitably there's a lot of like chaos but I was always seeking that harmony and so the way in which I did that was whether it was like entertaining people or like trying to solve problems for people and so I see myself doing that trying to please people in certain social situations um, you name it and I have to make sure that when I'm doing that, not only am I not abandoning myself, but I'm also not trying to control another person's experience just because that experience makes me uncomfortable. So it's really just taking note of these very deep-seated patterns and dynamics with hopefully a really like compassionate heart um, because nothing's going to be healed if you come at it like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed and I'm so ashamed. Um, but I've really had to just slow down in those moments. I've had to like kind of literally or figuratively like step back, call myself back to my body, take a deep breath, put my hand over my heart and just like remind myself of what's true. You know, is everyone okay here? Yeah, everyone's okay. You know, like, am I okay? Yeah, I'm okay. You know, I don't need to overextend. I don't need to overexplain. I don't need to be anything but me in this moment. And then I can kind of reapproach the situation with a little bit more perspective and presence. Because oftentimes when we're trying to people please, we're operating from this like past thing. And so I have to remind myself, oh, we're here now. <laughs> we don't yeah. Do that, right. For sure. Yeah. I think the overextending and the overexplaining definitely hit close to home when you like use those two particular words. And I think that a lot of the times it's also like learning to speak your truth, but also in like a way where you're making sure everyone else is okay. Because I think for me, a lot of the times the people pleasing patterns come out of like wanting to be accepted or wanting to make sure everyone's like happy when they're around me or like mm. that everything is just flowing their way. But also then sometimes it's really hard to speak your truth or not abandon yourself. So I think learning to also phrase it that way, like, I don't want to ever abandon myself and coming from that place too. And, and I wanted to ask if you guys, like, were older sisters because I'm the oldest as well. Do you have siblings, Krista? I'm the youngest. The youngest. I'm the, I'm the youngest. So I'm the rebel. So I have a totally different, <laughs> and that breeds a totally different set of experiences and yeah, but for people pleasing, you know, I never felt like I was a people pleaser until I got older, until you really understand yourself and you really see the nuance of yourself in situations. And mine is much more subtle or not subtle. You know, it's just, it's something that if you first met me, you wouldn't really be able to tell the ways in which I'm people pleasing because I'm very good at it. So it would be things where I will be in intimate situations with people and I'll really focus on them the entire time. I'll make them very comfortable. I'll ask them questions. I'll really only focus on or talk about the other person and I'll never really share or talk about myself because, you know, people feel good when they're sharing about themselves. People feel good when they're being listened and heard. And I'm very good at both of those things. So I would really just sort of 
you know, abandon myself to really make people have a really good time or feel really seen or feel really heard. And I think in our world, it's really hard to pull ourselves out of being a people pleaser because we're so we're in such a society and culture where we're based on our weight, our revenue, our social media followers, how much money we make, you know, everything is sort of numerically based and a lot of it is really visible and public. So it's hard to pull apart, like, when am I doing this for someone else? And when am I doing this for myself? And I think that's a question that we can always just revisit to see what feels really good. Taking social media breaks is powerful for that. So taking time off social media, um, you know, maybe it's a few weeks, maybe it's a month, maybe it's, you know, however long you want, but just to get quiet and really hear the voice within and just be curious about it because, you know, the people pleaser part of us is actually, it really holds some of our greatest gifts, whether we're really good listeners or we're really good, um, you know, we're really good friends or we're really good at creating an environment or a home, or we're really good at like nurturing. It can be really, really beautiful the way in which the people pleaser has made itself useful for us. We just have to make sure that we're sort of balancing the parts, both parts of it. For sure. I think that's a really, really great point. And I, I actually wanted to let you guys know as well that when you, I don't know if it was both of you, but I know you posted about taking a social media break from December to January. And I had been going through a point in my life at that point where I was feeling very burnt out when it came to my social media. I was feeling like I was comparing a lot and I was just kind of going through a funk at the time. And I remember then seeing you guys post about it And that really inspired me to take my own break. So I took a social media break from posting, consuming, like any type of social media, TikTok, Instagram, podcasts. Like I just kind of zenned out for a whole month. And that was really transformative and also helped me then show up more powerfully when I returned. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait for my next one, to be completely honest. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it just reminded me um, of the the leakiness that was happening um, when it comes to social media and just reminding myself like, oh, like it doesn't have to be like that. You know, I can reapproach it. I can create new boundaries. I can um, show up how I want, you know, and, and as frequently or infrequently as I want to be completely honest, you know? So I kind of needed that recalibration uh, to remind me of that. And I'm definitely, definitely due for one, but I'm so glad you did that. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that when your job is on social media and really tied to it and showing up to give to others and to show your life and to just be online, it can easily feel like you are never off, like that you're just always on. And so I think that taking that step back is always really powerful, whether you're a creator or not, but just realizing that life happens in the present. And I think the more time that I start devoting to content, the more disconnected sometimes I feel from the present moment. So definitely really powerful. Yeah, I, I have been, I just recently hired someone to do my social media so that, you know, I can kind of create the content. She can post whenever she can do a lot of it because I feel like, and I really enjoy content creation. Sometimes I actually love to do it at points when I feel really inspired, when I feel you know, just there's points in times where I'm like, oh, this is the best, just sort of making a story out of things, telling stories, being myself and sharing my truth with people. But it's one of those things where we just sort of end up like funneling all of our energy into this like video game player where it's like this person that is us that we just continue to feed 
how we want people to perceive us through the things that we're doing and the things that we're saying and the things that we're wearing and the things that we're showing. And, you know, it's just can be really dangerous if you're not also feeding the real person in your life and the real experience of you. So mm-hmm. um, it's such a interesting dance that we do. And I think, um, I think we're now really starting to feel the effects of what it feels like to spend you know, 10 years online and most of our time online, especially after the pandemic, when a lot of us were online, like all the time. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think that aspect of just feeling like this is my little character that I'm creating and it can kind of control it and control how people see me on the online space. I think then feeling like that's all of you. And that was a realization I really had, like, that's a part of me, how I show up online and the value I give to others and what I'm sharing knowledge wise, like, that is a part of me, but there's also the human Carolina, like behind it all and in the now. So navigating that as a content creator can definitely be a whole journey in itself, but we want to jump into some rapid fire questions that I do with all of my guests. So just flow with it, whatever comes through. Um, the first one is like a fun one, but do you prefer coffee or matcha? Matcha baby. I'm, I've been doing matcha for the past couple months and I just I don't even know if I really like the taste but I it's like somehow I like it it's like very weird but I'm, I'm a matcha girl lately <laughs> amazing I'm a coffee gal what are your matcha and coffee like orders or how do you make it go to Erwan or I go to cha-cha or there's Malibu milk which is like my favorite milk alternative they have really good canned matchas with flax milk Mm. but i just make sure to have a milk alternative that doesn't have any gums or oils or whatever and then the matcha can be whatever brand they have and then i'll do some monk fruit or raw vanilla but i like it iced i don't really like it hot for some reason yeah um i make my coffee at home my french press um either like a bulletproof ground coffee or four sigmatic coffee and then i add my like bulletproof combo of a little bit of ghee, MCT oil, um, fresh vanilla, and then I just blend it all up and a little monk fruit. Um, And this just really, sometimes coffee hits me a little bit weird depending on the type of coffee. And so the healthy fats Mm -hmm. um, really help to slow the absorption. And I just find it to be like the best, the best way for me to drink coffee. Yeah, for sure. I definitely... I love the taste of coffee, but I'm usually a matcha person. I just feel better when I drink matcha, but I just love the taste of coffee so much. So sometimes like I give in. And so I always try to put like collagen or coconut milk or something just to like not have it be so strong or I'll do decaf. Um, The second question is what are books that you would recommend to anyone listening that have really shaped your experience? Mm. I think for me, there's a few. Uh, Bringers of the Dawn by Barbara Marciniak is a channeled book. Um, she channels the Pleiadians. Um, and it's just a really beautiful read. And I love, I love like relationship books. You know, it's always just such a support to like learn more about myself in relationship, about my partner, yes. getting the love you want. Um, Wired for Love uh, are two that I... I really enjoy. And my latest is The Book of Soul by Mark Nepo. Mm. I'm obsessed with Mark Nepo. Anything Mark Nepo. I love that. I have to check those out for sure. I love that like the relationship themes tie so well with your rising in Libra also. Very true. Oh, true. 
Um, I think for me, I've talked about this before, but women, food, and God is one of my favorites. And that's really good for people who want a better relationship with food and their body. I love Janine Roth. She's just such an amazing writer. It's like her writing is just goals. Um, and then I also really, really love um, Discover the Inner Mother, which is supportive of people who are interested in healing the mother wound in understanding their relationship with their mother or the divine or feminine um, much better. And then Women Who Run With the Wolves is such a classic. It's like just such a powerful, powerful read that I'll just pick up and read a few pages, you know, every, every few days so that I can just tap into that like beautiful energy like divine feminine energy i've been mm -hmm. really doing a lot of work on my like feminine energy it's like a theme that has really played out throughout my journey and i feel like recently like this week i was like oh i really want to read a book that's about the mother wound so there you go manifested it <laughs> there you go there you go Amazing. i was like because i usually have never said that i'm like oh that's interesting that i'm saying this but there you go yeah love that and then do you have a quote or a mantra that you live by I think one of my favorites is like my old tried and true and it's wherever you go, there you are. And I think it really speaks to mental health and really making sure that you can be with yourself. And I've been in the most beautiful places in the world and I've been in, you know, not so beautiful places. And if my mental state isn't well or isn't okay, it doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter what kind of space physically I'm in because my mental space is really creating my reality. Yeah, that was actually my yearbook quote. In no way. Yeah, that's amazing. See, Thank you. I, I know. I think I've known that quote. It's like it's like an old quote, but it still just never ceases to amaze me or never ceases to apply. Yes. So, so true. I actually don't really have a quote that I live by. And I, I actually want to just be open to maybe the next one to drop in. I feel like I've like answered this question before, but nothing is really dropping in. <laughs> it's okay. Um, no. I, I prefer like reading actual books rather than audiobooks and stuff. And I just love like annotating as I read. And I find that like, I always just stumble across like the perfect, whether it's quote or message or anything like for that time and it helps me to like annotate it, take a picture of it or yeah. write it down in my notes or something. And I'm gonna ask for one to drop in for the next interview. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I love taking notes like in the margins of the books and just like highlighting and things like that. And I feel like sometimes I'll like be in a funk and I'll just like open a random page of like a Brianna Weiss book and it'll just be like exactly what I need here. I'll just like pick a book from my bookshelf. And then the next question is, what makes you feel like your higher self or connect to your higher self? I think singing for me. Um, yeah, it just kind of like. I had know, a feeling you were going to say that. Supports, <laughs> yeah. um, and I just feel very, very centered. And really like anything that. that like kind of pulls at that or stimulates that like creative essence is just. Yeah. Love that. That's her. <laughs> yeah I think there's just it's just very specific moments of like when I'll say something that like is risky but it works it's like just that very specific risk reward being very present in the moment being in tune with what's happening but also kind of pushing the boundaries of what's going on is when I feel like in my high self so it's like a very specific energy that um, that I'm able to feel, but there's nothing better. It's just the best. What about you? I love that. 
I feel for me, one of the things that makes me feel like my higher self is just like swimming in the ocean mm. at the beach mm. and like the sound of the waves and like going in the water and just like really like diving in the water. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. And just like tanning, like being in the sun. Yes. Little sun goddess. Yes. I love it so much. And then the last question is if someone didn't hear anything from this episode and they just heard this part, what would you want to leave them with? I mean, this is a question to make people sweat a little bit. <laughs> Honestly, I'm like, oh God. Um, just stop trying to change your life. Stop trying to change your life so much that you don't live it. You know, just live your life. Enjoy your life. It's really, we just get kind of caught up in this cycle of personal growth and self-development and all these things. But, and then we just end up not really living or loving our life. So love your life. And have fun. Have fun. Like laugh. Like things are, you know, there's very serious things happening for sure. But there's a lot to just, there's a lot to have a lot of levity towards, you know? And I don't know. I often think of like, you know, who's watching us in other realms and they're like, damn, they're so serious. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) for sure. I, I love that. So I just wanted to really express my gratitude. Thank you both for coming on the pod. It's been so lovely just like being able to have a really honest and real conversation with both of you and just get to know you guys more and just be able to chat on the pod and share this with my community. So thank you so much. And can you guys just plug yourselves, tell everyone where they can find you, work with you, et cetera. Yeah, thank you. This is such a delight and we're so I'm so inspired I just feel so everyone I'm excited for our future I'm excited for the future generations of people like you that are just really curious and kind and in their heart so thank you so much and if you're interested in you know conversations for um on spirituality and wellness with Lindsay and I you can listen to almost 30 wherever you listen to podcasts almost 30.com almost 30 podcast on TikTok and on Instagram um we have courses and programs if you want to start a podcast we can help you do that if you want to um enjoy your single season we can do that if you want to edit your life we can do that so almost 30.com and then I'm on Instagram at it's Krista it's I-T-S-K-R-I-S-T-A and I'm on Instagram at Lindsay Simsek Thank you both so much. I'll definitely make sure to link all of that in the show notes. And thank you both again. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.